This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. We got it at Moku. We did get it at Moku. I think my note about it was we got poke again because we are monsters. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Save Our Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about poke. Yes. <laughs> the craving is already setting in. It's been there pretty much since we got back from Hawaii. Absolutely. And it just occasionally rears its beautiful, delicious head. <laughs> and I, I must go. Yeah. It's, there's just not that many. Oh, we're going to talk about that later. Yes. It's hard to find good poke. It really is, um, especially outside of, yeah, Hawaii. <laughs> I feel very confident when I say we ate more poke than anything else <laughs> when we were in Hawaii. At least once a day, I think. I think so. Yeah, well, most restaurants serve it. And yeah. so we saw it and we were like, well, we're ordering that. Right. We we could sense in the back of our heads we wouldn't be able to find it when we got back. Um, we, we went to a poke battle, which we've mentioned a couple mm-hmm. times. Uh, more on that later. And it is probably the thing I miss the most. It's close with, like, the weather and just general vibe. But fresh <laughs> access to fresh seafood. Yes. Like, everywhere. Everywhere. And we had it everywhere. We got some mm. at Foodland, which is a beloved grocery chain. Um, we got some to take up with us, that 10,000-foot that drive up a volcano that we've mentioned. <laughs> we got some at nice restaurants and everything in between that. And just to clarify, at Foodland, at least in my my mainlander mind, it was a poke version of the pub sub. What's a pub sub? Public sub. Oh, okay, sure. <sighs> 
I was about to have so much fun explaining that. Uh, <laughs> it's essentially a deli counter, but with poke. Yeah, just giant trays of poke, mm-hmm. and they just dish it out by the pound mm-hmm. and give it to you, and mm-hmm. then you have poke. Yeah, it's wonderful. One of Foodland's slogans is Hawaii's home for poke. Appropriate. <laughs> I um, agree. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the poke that my brain keeps going back to is the first one we had at this, like, schmancy beachside hotel restaurant in Waikiki, like, super touristy, but the sun was setting over the ocean, and they had this live band, and I ate this little cube of fish, and it was like that moment in Wizard of Oz where, like, the world goes into color. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, this is what tuna can be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was everywhere. We talked about it with super producers Dylan and Andrew when we got back. So when people ask me how my Hawaii trip went, I'm like, okay, imagine this. (laughs) (laughs) You're in a mall, a giant mall. And in this giant mall, there is a giant grocery store in the basement. And it's like a nice grocery store. And then there's like a thousand people all lining up because four or five best chefs on the island are giving away raw fish. Mm-hmm. It's That's a madhouse. Yeah. It was just <laughs> madness. In the best way possible. Yes, we attended the second annual poke battle. Seven chefs battling it out with their takes on poke on a Saturday in a food land. <laughs> People voted on their favorite, and the winner received $5,000 to donate to the Hawaii charity of their choice. And there was free beer and spirits, the little samples around. Yeah, and while we were there in the midst of all of this chaos, uh, we got to interview Denise and Roy Yamaguchi. And they are one of the many power couples in Oahu's culinary scene. Um, Denise is the CEO of the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, among many other things. And Roy uh, was one of the contestants. He's a chef and restaurateur and one of the founders of the Hawaii Regional Cuisine Movement, which we talked about in our intro episode. So um, this is completely wild. How did this happen? I'm not sure why, how it happened or why it happened, but it's a good thing that it happened. <laughs> Are you having a good time? I had a great time. You know, poke is extremely popular in Hawaii, and everybody has their own version of making poke. So, you know, naturally, you see a lot of people come here, they enjoy it, you know, they're, they're probably rating our poke against the poke that they make, so that's a, that's a good thing. Poke is having a bit of a moment on the mainland. I remember a couple of years ago when seemingly all of a sudden my friends were ordering poke bowls from new poke restaurants in Atlanta. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who don't live in Atlanta and come and stay with me whenever they're in Atlanta. And they always want to get the food that they can't find wherever they're from. And they they were telling me about poke, and I was kind of baffled. (laughs) It was new to me. Um, But I suppose that brings us to our question. Poke. What is it? Well, uh, poke is a sort of a fresh chopped seafood salad um, served cool to room temperature, most often as a side dish or appetizer. Uh, Poke literally means cut crosswise into pieces. So you're talking about, yeah, chunks of stuff. The most common protein these days is tuna, specifically in Hawaii, local tunas like the aku or skipjack tuna or the ahi or yellowfin tuna. Other seafoods show up too, like octopus though. And so, yeah, that protein, whatever it is, will be seasoned with a slightly salty marinade, a soy sauce, often shoyu, which is a soy plus wheat soy sauce, plus sesame oil is perhaps the most traditional as of the late 20th century. 
It's often mixed with chopped sweet Maui onions and fresh limu or ogo, which are seaweeds, and then garnished with sprinkles of sliced green onions and sesame seeds or maybe dried seaweed. Especially when the tuna is fresh, uh, like, you know, caught less than three days ago, never frozen, this simple mix of ingredients is transcendent. Like the fish is tender and light and melty and set off by this kick of salt and buttery richness from the sesame with a crunch and brine from the onions and the seaweeds. The craving. (laughs) It's so strong. And yeah, it is a bit of a trend right now here on the mainland. And it has been for the past few years. You can find poke of varying quality and likeness to Hawaiian poke all across the U.S. It's usually eaten as a poke bowl or poke made heartier with a bowl of rice or greens as its base and all kinds of salads and toppings incorporated. Yeah, and I mean, poke is usually served in bowls, to, yeah. be, to be clear. But this is a separate thing, more like a like a burrito bowl in concept. Um, one of these joints is within walking distance of my house. And they are, yes, different than the Hawaiian styles. Um, the base might be white or brown rice or zucchini noodles or cauliflower rice or tortilla chips. Um, the proteins, tuna, salmon, shrimp, octopus, chicken, tofu. The toppings, oh, heck, avocado, tobiko or masago, which are small fish roe. Pineapple, mango, kale, corn, quinoa, hot pepper, kimchi, cucumber, carrots, radishes, edamame, cilantro, pickle ginger, sriracha sauce, sweet chili sauce, ranch. No. (laughs) Oh, yes. No. (laughs) That's the scariest thing I've heard in many days, and I've been watching just nonstop horror movies. (laughs) It's it's one that'll haunt you, yeah. But it is a phenomenon. According to Yelp, there were 67 poke restaurants on the mainland in 2012. 67. By 2018, there were 1,811. In 2016 alone, Google searches for poke bowls went up 355% as compared to the year before. Grubhub saw an increase of 643% in orders of poke across the United States between 2017 and 2018. Trends are so interesting. (laughs) You can find poke kits in grocery stores. You can get it delivered. You can find it on the menus of big chains with zero Hawaiian ties like Red Lobster or the Cheesecake Factory. One of the biggest and fastest growing poke chains in the country, Poke Works, makes an annual $12 million at 19 locations. Wow. Yep. Huh. International Poke Day is September 28th. There are poke shops in Mexico and Brazil, the UK, Russia, South Africa, Hong Kong, Japan, Dubai, and Australia, among other places, probably. I most definitely. I would I would go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> now, poke in Hawaii is different, as we've said, aside from, in general, a fresher, higher-quality fish. One, it's marinated, even if only for a little bit. Two, generally there are fewer toppings, allowing for the ingredients to shine. On the mainland, I saw a lot of comparisons to a frozen yogurt shop in terms of toppings. Oh, that reminds me of our, back when we had videos and... We, we oh, did a whole yeah. bit about this in our yogurt episode. About the ridiculous number of toppings. We did. I got, yogurt. like, every topping, and I ate it. Yeah, and you regretted your decisions. I did, and I very rarely regret my food <laughs> decisions, but I regretted that one. Um, before we left for our trip, we spoke with our friend Louisa, who is from Hawaii but now lives in Atlanta, and she was of the very clear opinion that she's extremely disappointed with the poke options here. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of reasons poke has taken off on the mainland other than— it's delicious. 
First, it's relatively easy to make and doesn't require investment in a range or ventilation system or a grease trap. That also helps keep the price point fairly low. Secondly, um, easy to brand is healthy, and that's something consumers are often looking for these days. Yeah, let's talk nutrition for just a second. Obviously, the healthfulness of a poke dish depends on what you put in it, but the basics, like raw fish and a salty dressing, maybe some veg, are excellent choices in small doses. Like, tuna is a about a quarter high-quality protein by weight. Um, it's relatively low in fat. What's in there is mostly good fats, and it has just a terrific smattering of vitamins and minerals, especially in smallish amounts as an app or an ingredient in a bowl with, like, veg and whole grains. It's nutritionally great. The potential for pollutants like mercury and even plastics in large fish like tuna, that's a whole other episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bonus third and fourth reasons poke has taken off on the mainland. Uh, It captures some of our fast, casual infatuation and our infatuation with Hawaii. Visitors at the islands are at an all-time high. Very list-heavy episode, this one. In our age of Instagrammable foods, it's colorful and pretty. Mm -hmm. All of this has spurned a whole argument about cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. And when does a dish stop being that dish? Some mainland restaurants don't even spell poke correctly, Um, typically not out of their ignorance, but out of the perceived ignorance of the consumer when it comes to pronouncing Hawaiian words, which is not great. Yeah, no. It's another way of erasing the Hawaiian heritage of this deeply regional dish, a staple even. I saw poke described as a Hawaiian staple in several places. Mm -hmm. Local chefs like Mark Noguchi have spoken out about this. He's the chef and owner of the Pili Group, which does locally-minded catering and events, plus food and environmental education. He told the Washington Post, quote, Our food, that is our sense of place. You can mimic it, but you can't recreate the soul of it. There's no amount of Instagramming or Googling that will show you our soul. That's what you can taste. He also called the accent over the E in poke that some um, chains in the mainland do equivalent to cultural slander. Yes. Uh, Back in 2018, just for one example, there was a chain in Chicago called Aloha Poke Company, the owners of which are not from Hawaii, um, that was sending cease and desists to other restaurants that used the words aloha and poke in conjunction. So, like, the concept of aloha is a, a, a sharing of the breath of life. So taking that word and trying to, like, own it? Yeah. That's not good. No. 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 I read a lot of interesting back and forth about this because some restaurants here are like, we never were trying to be Hawaiian. Hawaiian, right. But I get the... I get why some people from Hawaii would have a little bit of anxiety about that. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, especially we've stolen quite a number of things Mm -hmm. from the peoples who live there and put our own weird mark on them Mm -hmm. and resold them. And that's not pleasant to see done to your culture. No. Yeah, especially without, like, the context or at least an understanding of what it means. Yeah, without some kind of respect. Respect. That's a good word. Okay. <laughs> and speaking of all of this, we want to talk about some history of poke. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. 
Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. The history of poke goes way back, all the way back to the ancient Polynesians, from the Hawaiian Islands to New Zealand. At the time, it was a dish of reef fish, seaweed, sea salt, and a condiment called inamona, which is candle nuts or kukui nuts, roasted, crushed, and salted. Depending on the type of fish, you might not chop it, but lomi it, pull and massage it with salt, and then season it. The salts both added flavor and helped preserve the nuts and raw fish. It made sense. You had your fresh catch, you seasoned it with whatever you had on hand, and then you ate it. Some historians, and not even historians, but chefs in the know about poke, like to differentiate between pre-James Cook poke and post-James Cook poke, a.k.a. pre- and post-colonization poke. Poke's journey reflects the history of Hawaii post-contact. Pacific sailors traded Hawaiian salt for salmon, adding that fish is a potential ingredient. Uh, immigrants from China brought with them sesame oil and soy sauce and onions. Um, the Japanese brought shoyu and their own traditions of eating raw fish. Also, uh, their, their traditions of bowls of stuffed donburi um, or uh, chirashidan, both of which involve chopped protein with uh, seasoning and rice. Maui onions developed after researchers in Texas created the sweet granex strain in the 1950s, and farming families on Maui, no longer working on the plantations there, started experimenting with them. Later, the arrival of increasing numbers of Japanese tourists in the 1970s played a major role in shaping poke's future. 
primarily in making tuna, that protein of choice. We spoke with Brooks Takanaka, who's the general manager over at the United Fishing Agency, which runs the Honolulu Fish Auction, which organizes the sale of like up to 100,000 pounds of locally caught fish every day. Here's Brooks. Well, hey, again, I go back to Hawaii. Microcosm, a lot of cultures, a lot of ethnicity, a lot of sharing of dishes and stuff. So now you're beginning to understand and appreciate herbs, spices, whatever, okay? Americans beginning to figure this out. Now it's like, wow, the same product, but presented this way or that way, wow. So now it's like a whole new eating experience and that's what's happening, right? So, hey, we knew about this down the earth from way back. The world is beginning to understand. The Japanese come here, they don't know about pokey. They love raw fish. They eat the pokey and they go nuts. So Hawaii has influenced a lot of people's palates and and eating habits and and appreciation for, for food, I think, and quality. Poke, the name, didn't come about until maybe the 1960s or 70s, the same time that ahi tuna was becoming more plentiful. Rich pink to red tuna was more pleasing to look at as opposed to many pale fleshed reef fish and was generally preferred when it came to flavor. This is around the time that poke made the leap from home kitchens to grocery stores, which only helped popularize it. In the 1990s, one of the chefs behind Hawaii regional cuisine, Sam Choi, was key in making poke mainstream. He called poke the king of island foods. He told Honolulu Magazine back in 2010 about making it with his family when he was a kid. He said, I took a mouthful of it and went, wow, right at that moment, I knew this was my love. Something as natural and pure as taking a fish out of the water, creating some magic with it. He was behind one of the state's first poke competitions, a recipe contest. Uh, The contest highlighted all of the creativity and flexibility and possibilities that poke allowed. To this day, the competition takes place in March. And yeah, around the same time that the chefs of the HRC movement were bringing these playful takes on poke to their high-end restaurants. Meanwhile... By this time, poke had made its way to the mainland. Experts think that mainland American interest in Hawaiian food is in part connected to three distinct waves of Hawaiians to the mainland. The first wave took place after World War II, the second after Hawaiian statehood in 1959, and the third in the 70s when rising prices due to tourism and development forced more and more Hawaiians out of the state, first to places like California and Nevada and eventually all across the United States. Of course, they became nostalgic for the foods they grew up with, so some of them started opening restaurants. And poke started hitting the mainland public consciousness around 2014. Shops serving the dish multiplied through 2016 and just really exploded after that. Um, There's an article from Eater from 2016 that was crunching poke shop numbers and concluded that if the trend held, there could be as many as 1,000 mainland poke shops by 2020. 1,000? There's like almost twice that number now so <laughs> good guess That's, yeah yeah good guess but holy heck i've already the numbers part of this episode <laughs> is jettisoned out um, partially influenced by mainland interest in tourism types of poke around hawaii these days are essentially whatever you imagine although again it goes back to how you define poke and also an appreciation understanding of poke's history and context 
There are a lot of local variations, but they all tend toward simple preparations that highlight the seafood. Um, Local clams or oysters or mussels or marlin or even imported salmon. Um, The dressings nod to other immigrant populations. Uh, You know, a little Chinese ginger here, a little Japanese ume, a sour pickled plum there, maybe a spike of Korean gochujang or um, or kimchi. That, uh, That American sushi favorite, spicy mayo. Makes it in there. Okay. Uh, there's poke made with pipicaola, which is a, a dish that came out of Hawaii's Mexican cowboy culture, melding with their Chinese immigrants. It's a dried beef dish marinated in ginger and garlic and often a soy sauce or rice wine. There's poke made with a bacalao, uh, which is a Puerto Rican dried salt cod, which, again, took on some of these other flavors when it got to Hawaii. There's vegetarian beet or mango or himaka. And, yes, in communities where the costs of living are so ridiculously high, there's poke on Hawaii made with previously frozen fish to help bring the price down. There's some wilder recipes, too. A place called Da Hub in Honolulu features sweet and savory options like lihing poke, a local tangy sweet-dried plum favoring, peanut butter and jelly poke, and offers toppings like crushed Oreo cookies and Reese's Puffs cereal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting on the royalties, Reese's. <laughs> Another popular newish way of enjoying poke is on nachos, and yes, so good. Oh, gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like the nachos you are envisioning. Fresh poke and sauce drizzled over fried wonton chips. Mm-hmm. You can also find it in masubi form, poke and rice deep fried. In tacos, yep, had some, delicious. <laughs> in tostada form, praise be to Foodland. once again. We had a bunch of these types of poke while we were in Hawaii, and we spoke about them when we got back to our studio in Atlanta. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. So, so we had, like, appetizers. We had more heckin' poke. <laughs> we, yeah. yeah, we I think went it was the all poke, out on the appetizers. It was the poke nachos that time. Was it? Um, they had... Because uh, they had two. They had the regular poke, and they had poke nachos. The poke cracker. Mm-hmm. The cabbage. The poke cracker. The yeah, the charred cabbage. Mm-hmm. These days, there is some speculation that the poke trend has peaked on the mainland, perhaps because a decent amount of the places that opened did not appreciate what makes poke wonderful and the quality of the fish. But to talk about that, we have to talk about issues of sustainability, which we'll get into after we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Yes, thank you. So, sustainability. This goes back to what we were talking about in terms of respect for for poke and the cultures that it comes from and the sense of scale that you have to consider when you bring a food into an international fast casual restaurant scene. Um, Brooks voiced concerns over the rising price of good quality, sustainable fish and the fact that here on the mainland, just about all of the raw grade fish that we get are previously frozen, and lots of people don't know that. He said, I wouldn't feed my family that. He did. He did. And all of this ties into how we think about the amazing, delicious resource that is fresh fish and also what goes into getting it. Here's Brooks again. What I'm trying to do is basically get back to an appreciation for the fishermen because they risk their lives, okay? They're people, not unlike yourselves, committed to what you do, what your passion is. And they're good at it. They sacrifice not only their lives, but I mean, also the time they spend with their families. Right, because they're out for 17 two, days? Three days at a, two, three oh. weeks at a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a swordfish guy is a month, month and a half at a time. Wow. Yeah. And so where's the appreciation for the dedication and the, and the passion that these people have? You know, I've, I've lost friends and relatives, and um, that's just part of the business though, right? Is it safer now than it was when you were growing up or when you were? Well, I think with, with technology, it's a lot safer, but you're still dealing with mother nature. Sure. Okay. And, and, you know, out there, there's so much unpredictability. I mean, you hear about rogue waves and things like this. My guys see this all the time. Yeah. Perfect storm. That scene. If you've ever been in a situation like that, just the sounds, just your heartbeat, just, hey, you never forget that. And my guys see that all the time. So what they do to bring this fish in here is, is very special. And um, what they have to do to be in compliance with the rules and regulations today is very difficult. And so what's happened is that this industry has changed a lot over time because of sustainability. So you look at, you look at the definition of sustainability, the definition of it has changed as well over time. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about human rights and everything else as well. Sure. And I go back to the fact that here in Hawaii, I mean, as far as where we grew up in our, our industry, we took pride in what we did and how we, how we did it and what we delivered. 
Now, culture has changed. You have far more diversity. Different cultures are part of this whole reality now. So now we got to teach them, look, uh, don't just go to catch and kill fish. All right. Growing up in this industry, one of the things I realized is that, look, this is really a smaller load fisheries. Bring back smaller loads, better quality, go fish more trips a year. You'd probably be a lot happier, safer. Your family's a lot happier. You're probably going to make more money. But here again, you're talking about human element and discipline or the lack thereof relative to business. Because let's not forget, this is still a business. So human element, fish are biting, catch more. Or prices are cheap, catch more. But what are you doing in an overall perspective, overall reality? Okay, number one, you're, you're tapping your quota because you got quotas for big guy. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Number two, you're not making very much money. So why go catch more anyway? It's super saturating the market. Number three, if you look back in history, this is when my grandfather and those guys used to dry dock the, feet, the boats. Wow. Yeah. So to repair the boats summertime because conditions aren't that good. But now you gauge your program, your whole business relative to productive months and overall reality is this is the year how we're going to approach it yeah right yeah the poke trend has heightened the concerns about the health of tuna populations which are overfished in some parts of the world since 1950 the population of large fish like tuna has plummeted by 96% however it's certainly not just poke leading to this decline in populations the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch program says poke isn't particularly adding to tuna overfishing, though they stress that sustainability and sourcing is always important to think about when you're ordering fish. Poke can use cuts of tuna that might otherwise go to waste, which helps. Many poke chains do offer alternatives to overfished tuna and farm-raised salmon, which uh, farm-raised salmon not always being an environmentally friendly choice, though honestly most people still order the tuna and the salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, these are issues with the seafood industry In general, fish farms can be problematic in that depending on the feed they use and their waste management or lack thereof, they can add like significant pollution to local waterways. And the ways that wild fish, on the other hand, are are caught matter a lot. Large-scale fishing operations often involve a lot of what's called bycatch, which is um, accidentally caught animals that are injured or killed in the process. Some shops do go out of their way to stock fish from areas with, uh, with healthy population levels um, and fish that are line caught, which involves little to no bycatch. And there are lots of people in the fishing industry who are, who are passionate about sustainability. And, and some governments are stepping up to help create regulations that respect both the environment and the people who are trying to make a living in the industry. But it's really incumbent on shops and chefs to support the fisheries that are providing sustainable fish and on us as consumers to support those shops and chefs. As a representative for the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch told LA Weekly, if a place can't or won't tell you whether their seafood is sustainable, consider going someplace else. Because poke is not a trend in Hawaii. It's there to stay. And it is so much more than marinated cubed fish. (sighs) Yes, so much more. So much more. And we do, we have in the works uh, an episode on fishing specifically. Oh, yes. Fishing industry. Mm -hmm. So look out for that. But Mm -hmm. in the meantime, this brings us to the end of our second episode in our Hawaii mini-series. And it brings us to asking you to email us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, let us know what your poke experiences are. Yes. 
where else we should go. Mm-hmm. Let us live vicariously through <laughs> oh, you. Oh, gosh, please. No amount of detail is too weird. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you can contact us via email at hello at saverpod.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. We do hope to hear from you. Thanks to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard, and our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis, and our interviewees, and to the people who put us in touch with those interviewees, Michelle McGowan-Rice of the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, Don Sakamoto-Paiva of Put It On My Plate, and Joy Goto and Maria Hartfield of the Hawaii Visitors and Convention Bureau. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. We got a bunch of appetizers there. We, we got our first poke of oh. the trip. Oh, yeah. And it would not be our last. Oh, certainly. No. Heck, and not. Oh, my gosh. I think we immediately were like, we need to get some more of yeah. this. And we ordered a second round of appetizers. Mm-hmm. We had pokey at least once a day, I think, for the rest of the trip. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.